there's going to be a very rapid flow of capital once there's a certain level of trust. Obviously, trust is hard to quantify, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build systems of trust here. And, you know, Aave and MakerDAO and Uniswap and, you know, some of these others have, have really, like, proved this stuff works at scale. Tens of billions of dollars. Anybody can hack it. Nobody can. So it must be working. And now all of a sudden you've got land. You've got forests. You've got the real inversely correlated assets that this whole market is looking for. And now banks are suddenly getting shaken. 2023 for me really is the year of regenerative finance. If we're going to pull this off, we've got this year and next to start peaking global emissions and show, hey, everyone, it's not a PDF, but here's a dynamic NFT. So you can verify that these trees haven't been cut down. The likes of Game Forest, also Collectivo, there's gonna be some super cool stuff out of the back of this. To me, the, the ultimate goal here is resilience for the overall ecosystem, right? We don't wanna be in a position where there's a single organization or even just a few organizations so central, so critical to this thing, right? That they can get in the way of its success while being pragmatic on a lot of things we, we've still valued that hmm. um, over some other choices you could you could have made but um, I think it's starting to really pay off because you have a really rich ecosystem hey what's going on refi nation John Ellison here from refi Dow I am very grateful to bring a bonus episode with Renee the CEO and founder of cello for many of those in the space cello is very close to heart they've been a key ecosystem enabler bringing on many different actors into the space through grants and other forms of support like Cello Camp. We have a chance to have a really intimate conversation with Renee across a few key parts. First, we begin looking at the state of affairs of ReFi today following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and several others. We talk about Cello's origin story and some of the key interventions that we need, the various forms of capital that we need in this space this year in order to unlock scalable, massive growth, where ReFi solves real problems for real people all around the world. I hope you enjoy this conversation. You can tell that I'm actually in a new space here. Little teaser, we are setting up a new embassy in Lisbon for the first ReFi DAO local node with the idea of creating a global network state rooted in key startup cities all around the world. Each city having their own token, their own treasury, and their own vision of regeneration. There is a specific mandate for each of the local nodes to invest in land and other real-world assets, and we're looking to pilot Lisbon as the first local node in this new system, where we want to raise a treasury, set up a local impact DAO, and work with partners to acquire and regenerate land and bring this on-chain. We see this as an opportunity to really pioneer regenerative economics, regenerative culture, and regenerative technology to demonstrate to the nations and corporations of the world that we can be your key ally. We think that network states can actually be an accelerant to the vision of regeneration because at the end of the day, I don't really think that corporations and nations actually know how to do this. So this is what we're up to. This is what we are super excited to share. And uh, if you haven't come to one of our monthly events in Lisbon, third Thursday of every month, come check us out. We've also got a day-long event on April 11th with the folks at Poolside alongside Impact Market and Pokestarter. And we are super grateful to get going here at Refi Dow, putting our hands in the soil and inviting other people to join us. Thanks so much for your time. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Let us know what you think. Peace. Hey, what's going on, Renee? How are you doing today, sir? 
Good. How about you? Man, the sun is shining here in Portugal. Um, got over a cold and a little stomach bug. I think maybe slightly stress-induced. And yeah, so, I'm so, very grateful to finally have a chance to chat. I know it's been a long time coming. What's, uh, what's present for you today? What are you coming with? Yeah, I think we're coming out of yet another, maybe even still the middle of it, crisis, right? <laughs> that um, in some ways is a strong endorsement for Web3, but but also in the moment, it's quite painful, right, to live through. And that's uh, it feels like that's just been a recurring theme <laughs> for this these past, uh, past 12 months. I know, and almost just like for humanity as a whole, it really feels as though we're in that transition era of volatility and large systems are trying to move from one state to another. Um, I'd love to start off the episode just briefly laying out some structure for our time together, giving listeners a loose anchor for where we're going to head. I think it'd be really great to just get your take on the current state of affairs in refi and kind of in the market as a whole. I know you've got a background in capital markets and you've got a, a big macro mind. Um, and I think that'd be nice to touch on that. And then I'd love to like rewind a little bit and touch on your origin story at Cello. Um, we had a chance to talk with Sep and obviously uh, Merrick in the season before and just love to figure out like what some of the key ideas were that propelled you to bring this vision to life. And um, then I think it'd be nice to get your take on like what are the key things that need to come in place to unlock growth and refi for this next phase. Um, and then maybe like what Cello's plan and how can people get involved. So uh, with that as a guide, maybe you kick us off with just like whatever the recent events are, like how would you describe the state of refi today? Yeah, nope, I think whether um, if folks are directly impacted by SVB or some of the other banks that have that have gotten in trouble right it, in some ways it is it is a moment to to take a look at at your personal balance sheet right and and, and think about what <laughs> what's you to stay and uh what's maybe not and i think for you know many people around the world you know the fact that their bank might be closed on a you know normal business day and they can access their money it's something that actually happens, right? And, you know, I think for, this is one of the more recent times, right? For, mm. Probably the first time for, for many generations, uh, current generations, right, that this is happening in the U.S. was a, was a major bank. And so that's, that's interesting, right? Because in many ways, a lot of the principles that are at the heart of Web3 um, really, you know, actually provides an alternative, right? And... Assuming that you um, you have a, an economy, a digital economy, right, where it's easy to not only use those digital assets, right, whenever, wherever, um, and, and be in control, but also use them in a day-to-day -day context mm -hmm. that, you know, I think has made click for quite a few people, even folks that are not looking um, very regularly or deeply at, at Web3 that, hey, there's maybe something here worth giving it a, a second look. So I've, I've certainly had a few friends reach out who, in, in my mind, had written off um, crypto and, and largely because of the headlines, right? Yeah. And I've said, well, actually, wait a second. So tell me again, like, how, you know, <laughs> like this non-custodial wallet concept and, uh, uh, you know. Where do I get this stuff? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But, I you know, again, I think it's, it's probably 
um, you know, not something that has like a direct impact, right? And, you know, I, I don't think we'll we'll see sort of any major changes in the very short term uh, coming from this, um, especially with the US government stepping in and basically saying, hey, you know what, um, all deposits are good, <laughs> you know, just uh, don't worry, we got you. Um, but I think longer term, it's it kind of created yet another crack, right, for people to say, well, wait a second, what what does it actually mean? What's actually, what's going on under the hood? What can I trust? And, you know, maybe what, what, where, where should I be more careful? And I think that's, I think that's kind of the standard Web3 pitch, right? Um, but, but then there's, there's the refi pitch, right? And this is, um, this is interesting because in some ways we, um, folks in, in refi, didn't only set out to just create a better financial system, you know, in terms of the 24-7 and being in control, mm -hmm. right? But actually to shift sort of the way the financial system works to have positive externalities, right? And I I don't see that, um, you know, I think that's not front and center right now in the, in the general debate, right? Because people are just like, well, wait a second, I just want sort of the stuff that, you know, the general, like the the standard financial stuff to work well. And it's, it's not, you know, but I would love to see this conversation actually broaden and say, well, you know, if everything is on the table, right, then why don't we kind of reevaluate some of the choices we've made and some of the structural changes that could actually get us to, to a much better place, not just, you know, better than status quo. And um, mm. I, I think if, if our community can sort of seize that moment uh, and this moment is, it's probably this year, right? Then um, I think there's there's a lot, to, a lot of good to come from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting seeing the the types of, you know, catastrophic black swan events in the crypto space in 2022 of quite similar practices, effectively, of organizations that are opaque, doing certain things with their money, taking risks, becoming over leveraged, and then getting exposed due to market conditions that were unforeseen. And, you know, some are more nefarious than others, some were taking more risk than others, but crypto has been providing this quite interesting, I think, lens and reflection, not only to our cultural state of how we take risk and how you, we pursue gains, but also the kind of financial system that this has all been modeled upon. And so I think for me, like not coming from a finance background, uh, seeing this stuff at play and starting to understand that this is a you know, not a crypto thing. This is just a broader global economic thing of figuring out like, hey, how do we deal with this financial system? Where do we store value? How do we create systems of trust? And it, it's, I think, a real exciting opportunity for the refi space to be really radically honest about what's working and what isn't. And what are the key ideas that are actually going to drive us towards mainstream public adoption and real world impact at scale? So, I would I would love to touch on a little bit like some of the kind of core ideas of Cello's origin story. Um, I know the idea of natural capital backed currency was super strong early on, and you guys have been absolute pioneers in this space. But can you give us just like you know three to five minute rundown of the the founder journey, um, the key concepts, and maybe a recap of where you guys have been up to this point today? When we had the um, the last major crises back in two thousand eight, right, and uh, obviously starting. Uh, also with uh, banks, American big bank, American banks having having challenges. 
I was at Morgan Stanley leading up to that, um, working in fixed income capital markets and structured products. And one of the things I remember at the time, like still crystal clear, I was early in my career um, and I was working on a, on a product uh, first to the fold basket with some of the major banks in it. And at that point, credit spreads had already widened quite a bit. And at the time, my boss was, you know, I don't know, this, you know, is, it looks too good to be true. We don't know, maybe one of those banks will fail. And I remember laughing at him because like, that's, there's no way the bank is going to, these are big banks, you know, like they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been around, like that's not going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, you know, I, um, a few months later, I, at the time I had, <laughs> I had left and I was in, in Latin America and I, um, saw the, you know, financial times front page about, about Lehman. And I was like, wow. Uh, and for me, that was a realization that, yeah, things that you you think are just going to be there um, may not be around, right? And I feel like I should have already had, I should have had like higher sensibility for that growing up in, in the East and seeing the ball come down. But even then you're like, ah, you know, like banks, <laughs> banks should be okay. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think that sort of just, you know, uh, I think hyper sensitized me or awareness to um, not taking even those big institutions for granted, right? And mm. uh, the journey to Cello, um ended up happening um, through a company that uh, Merrick and I had started previously together with uh, with Sepp, who was our first advisor, and then later joined the board and um, just had become a good friend on that journey, which was, um, you know, which came out of Tim Berners-Lee's lab at, at MIT and was in the beginning utilizing linked data, semantic web technologies. And a lot of the concepts, this is kind of the original Web3, a lot of the concepts, um, basic concepts underlying that are quite similar to what we now refer to as Web3. I think the biggest sort of... Um, aha moment um, that that led up to us saying, yeah, let's let's work on what is now Cello was sort of this insight that money is a technology and with that really can take new forms that I, I think in some ways previously would have been just not be possible to implement, um, right? And so a lot of the kind of beautiful ideas, if we go back to Cello white paper or some of the, you know, even readings we did leading up to um, you know, our work um, are things that I think conceptually have been around. Um, you know, obviously many people in the community have read Charles Eisenstein's Sacred Economics as an example, mm. but um, but yeah, finally now we have a tool set, right, to implement some of these ideas. And I know Sepment went into more detail on that, so I'll I maybe give more of sort of the origin story from a perspective of then how do we end up actually starting to build Cello, which... Really, you know, we started um, on Ethereum was a wallet that we just put in front of people and, and try to get a sense for what does it take to make something usable um, with regular people, right? What would it take for um, someone to to use this on a daily basis to actually make their life better? And a lot of the things we learned all early on ended up deeply influencing the the technical roadmap uh, for Cello and. I think have also led, because of this focus on on real world use cases, have led to an early community that equally 
started or came with a mindset of like, hey, how do how does this bring value to my community, or how is this something that actually Im improves, you know, a, a real world situation? Hmm. Now, uh, what's really interesting is that you know you mentioned natural asset backed currencies. Some of the, I would say, crazier concepts, at least as as we thought early on. Um, you know, where we were like, okay, well, you know, maybe in, in 10, 20 years, we'll be able to implement that. Uh, those have actually happened faster, right? I mean, they exist today, right? I mean, Luke uh, was Collectivos is, is building it. There's, there's other projects, right? It's, it's, it's totally, it's totally happening. Um, things that we thought would be solved sooner, much, much sooner, even like at this point, five years in like on and off ramps, which happen mm. to still be a, a major challenge, right, for actually onboarding um, the mass market to to Web3 um, have just taken a lot longer. But mm. um, but yeah, for us, it it wasn't, it, you know, we never were like, oh, let's let's build a layer one because that's that's a cool thing to do. But it was like, actually, let's let's build, uh, let's try to kind of create a user experience that would pass the sniff test, right, for a regular person saying, yeah, this is something I would use. Um, and I think that kind of just led us on a path to build um, infrastructure ultimately all the way down the stack that makes it easier to deliver great experience, especially on mobile phones, right? With sort of none of the complexity of gas currencies, you know, like they're having different yeah. tokens to pay for gas or um, obviously low transaction fees, fast finality, all that um, stuff. But but yeah, I think as we were then going down the stack, we realized, well, actually, some of the design choices we make now will have an influence on achieving some of these other things um, that we that we care about later on, right? And so I think this from a very early um, point in time in that journey led us to think about, yeah, what's the carbon footprint of the protocol, mm -hmm. right? We're the first EVM chain to actually, you know, like, well, launch was was sort of um, those offsets, but but even like beyond that, kind of think about. I think this is probably that was sort of the moment where a lot of people started paying more attention to Cello was when we said, "Hey, let's have the cell, you know, the the meant to stable coins like CUSD, CRO, Serial, and, and others that are coming, you know, over time be backed by forty percent in uh, climate assets, natural assets, and I think. You know, in some ways, this is kind of the perfect closing the loop to the current banking crisis, right? If you have currencies that are backed by real world assets, then you, um, you know, you're not, you know, you're, um, you're, you're creating positive externalities, right? Because you're preserving those assets, but you're also avoiding, um, or you're at least reducing the risk of of bank runs, right? Because those assets have value outside of just being a backing to a currency, right? Or having currencies that are actually not, not backed. So especially when we think about community currencies and those working kind of together in that global context, I think those are pretty powerful concepts. Absolutely. And as a you know early user in the DeFi space, I got into Valora quite early on and I loved the idea of using my mobile phone to connect to this wallet and that like I didn't have to worry about this kind of awkward, weird string of numbers and letters that didn't really get. I was like, okay, it's connected to my phone number, like it's fine. And actually used Impact Market to donate um, as my first kind of DeFi experience. And I 
Very don't cool. think I would have done that via MetaMask. It just didn't feel safe. And so like kudos to you guys for that mobile first focus. And I know that on and off ramps have been a hard part of the, the growth model with a lot of things out of control. But I, I really do appreciate this very pragmatic approach to saying, hey, there's 1.8 some billion people without access to banking services. Let's build products for, you know, people who don't have the privilege that we all do. And yes, banks themselves are an open liability in the space. And yes, the Federal Reserve is willing to back them. But actually, if we really want to solve climate and biodiversity and social injustice, we need a different set of tools. So I, I really appreciate that. And I think there's you know, an interesting kind of organization architecture in terms of what you guys have done with Cello Foundation and Climate Collective and, you know, really beginning to build a pretty diverse and resilient ecosystem around you also with Flory Ventures um, and, you know, Mento now spinning off into its own piece. It, it seems like there's been a lot of influence around nature in your guys' design. And I know, um, yeah, you and Sepp and, and, co- and Co. think very carefully about how to approach these decisions. But before we transition to the next piece, I'd be curious to just get like a quick snapshot of some of the kind of um, key milestones or markers in your current state of the Cello ecosystem. I know you mentioned Luke at Colectivo, I obviously mentioned Impact Market, but can you just give a quick high level, here are the top line things that we're really proud of or really excited about, and then maybe we can talk about where you guys are headed moving forward and what are the key things we need to unlock this space? Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, you know, for those uh, maybe not that familiar with with Cello, um, the... Um, you know, Cello has been um, one of the very first, if not the first, uh, proof of stake EVMs. Um, at this point, we're coming up on our three-year anniversary of mainnet. Um, that's on Earth Day, <laughs> not by not by accident. And uh, yeah, interestingly, you know, uh, similar to what Cosmos. Um, the Cosmos community did around their mainnet launch. You know, similarly, Seller was actually uh, was was stood up by a global um, set of independent validators. So, the Seller Foundation, C Labs, where a lot of the core team sits, have run uh, have run validators. Um, it's it's a pretty diverse kind of global uh, set of participants, and I think that also um, I think it's really a core asset that's often overlooked uh, when we kind of we're always quick to jump to the use cases and applications, but there's actually real value coming from that. And it's kind of a mix of big and small. You know, you have on the one hand, you have the Deutsche Telekoms of the world running validators and oracles. But on the other end, you have, you know, a smaller, uh, smaller organizations right around the world. Uh, in fact, I think the um, Collectivo is now looking to set up a validator too, right? So you have really yeah. that kind of, that, um, that, that great kind of diversity, both regionally, but also in terms of the organizations involved. And yeah, since mainnet, so coming up on three years, um, I think we're about to hit a quarter billion transactions process in the network has been riding smoothly, you know, this fast finality. So you don't have some of the challenges you see in other uh, chains with, with chain reorgs or, you know, kind of long downtimes. Uh, we've been super lucky and, and happy that Relo, uh, Solo has run very smoothly. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the, the things that I sort of track, you know, I try to keep, keep a good sense for what's out there. It's, it's, it's gotten hard. I mean, there's thousands of projects at this point. Um, there's over a hundred that have gotten venture funding, um, probably get, get to this a little bit more diving into some of the projects and 
some of the funding uh, stuff a little bit later. But uh, it's it's really interesting to your point around like how the ecosystem has evolved. Some of that intentional because we've said, hey, look, you know, we as some of the projects coming out of the core team, like the wallet with Valora gotten big and there was this pull, right, to kind of actually have a lot more features and put a lot more resources behind it, right? It's it's very hard to do that with just public goods funding. And so, you know, that's an opportunity to actually pull something out, spit it out and, you know, put funding against it, put venture funding against it and let it grow much, much faster. Um, and I think it's part of the reason that, you know, Valora, I think, has become the, if not one of the, you know, most popular crypto wallets out there. Um, so that... Uh, that model has worked well, but we've also seen a lot of projects join the ecosystem um, all around the world. So I think we're probably the most global ecosystem in over 150 countries. Um, there's really a wide range um, of, of projects. I think a lot of projects would self-identify uh, with sort of the refi hashtag, which um, also I think has... Um, has broadened, you know, I think, you know, early on, maybe it was, we had a more narrow view on it being kind of purely focused on, on climate, but I think even an impact market now, right. I mean, everybody would agree that's definitely, um, that, you know, definitely regenerative and, um, is, is part of that movement. Right. And so, but I think that also took a little bit of while for, for, for everyone to come to like sort of an agreement of what refi means, what the community looks like, but, but yeah, I would say majority of projects would self-identify um, as, as refi probably. Um, but then there's also like, you know, just important infrastructure, right? That you, that that we all kind of need to make things work, right? Whether that's like DAO infrastructure, some of the kind of core DeFi infrastructure in terms of some of the bigger sort of blue chip protocols, right? Obviously interoperability infrastructure. I think we're integrated into all the major interoperability providers and protocols, right? So that's, all that is kind of necessary, right, to allow builders to build whatever they whatever they dream of. Um, the thing I'm I'm probably proudest of is um, where I get the most energy is when I you know when for example Marco sends me a video of someone who's using Impact Market on the ground, right, and and has sort of like a really positive experience, right, and it makes a difference in their life, and um, you know those things happened every now and then a year ago and now they're happening you know every day right and like the the numbers were still small compared to like web 2 adoption right we're still only in the millions of people using this stuff um they're they're growing they're growing week over week months over months also at a bear market and so that makes me pretty optimistic that um just by the 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 range of projects the the caliber of the founders and I think just generally the general public's appetite for, you know, focusing on stuff that has that real world impact, we are going to see, you know, some some pretty amazing growth in, in the years to come in, in this in this field. Totally. And you know, it seems like we're at this current stage of evolution where refi is like probably a little bit less than a thousand projects. You know, we track the database with some partners, um, Climate Collective obviously being one of them. And yeah, the space has broadened, you know, financial inclusion is at the heart of this, social justice, taking care of nature, not just carbon. But I'm, I'm curious to get your take on what are the key impediments to breakout growth and yeah. what are the interventions that we can introduce to really see mass widespread adoption this year, like, you know, immediately. We've seen people kind of tackle, yeah, 
different areas um, that, uh, yeah, I think, you know, like pick biodiversity, pick plastics recycling, right? Um, obviously, like some of the more financial inclusion focused areas, I think we're well underway, but I think certainly around climate, more recently, there's been just kind of growth in areas which previously didn't have any projects. And so that's that's been really encouraging because I think as as you have institutions, bigger companies looking for ESG solutions broadly, right, they're, they're more likely, I think, to engage if they see that, hey, this is kind of the full range of things that they kind of care about and would want to like engage around for a potential solution, right, versus just picking one element. And so I think that's, um, that's great to see. Now, where I think it Good topic for us maybe to dive a little deeper is what's mm. what's really needed right to make to make that leap and i think right now it's capital um and yep. i'm not just talking about venture capital to get some of these projects started but i'm talking about debt capital right to fund um you know like the other side on like on credits that mm. are going out to communities right i'm talking about people providing lp capital right to build up liquidity on chain so that these assets become useful at a much bigger scale. And and I think that's that's the thing right now where um you know if if we as a community, if we can kind of um bring more capital into into refi, I think it will unlock this next this next phase of growth that we're all hoping for. Yeah, and, and looking through those different buckets, like how do we bring this capital into refi? Like, what are the key impediments, and what are you seeing? Is yes. there a shift here? Like, what what's your take? Yeah, maybe let's let's start by going through each of them. So, yeah, there's I think there's venture, and then let's talk about debt, and let's talk about sort of LP more mm-hmm. broadly in terms of real world assets and and the likes. Um, on the venture side, um, I think we've done great. I you know like a year year and a half ago, um, I mean. Yeah, you would have maybe, like you know, you had Allegory and Cerulean, maybe and Florius of an you know a fund like in a, in a few others, kind of even saying, hey, we're we're investing in refi, right? We're um, um, <laughs> we're sort of or Web three impact, and I think that's really, I think obviously was just becoming a bigger topic within broader Web three, but. You know, you had Fred Wilson's post over at, at USV, right? You have uh, big funds like Andreessen making investments in refi projects, right? And I think that's just led to like almost like, you know, sort of from both sides, kind of like a trickle down, right? That every fund now is looking at this because clearly there must be something mm-hmm. if the top funds are investing. But then yeah. also this bottom up movement of like a lot of new refi funds um, um, totally. being being started. And that's really encouraging, right? Because you you do want to have um, a lot of capital, especially at the very early stages, to encourage experimentation, right? And um, back founders that have you know wild ideas, um, but that may sort of on their even if they don't solve the idea that set set out to solve, right? They'll identify new problems and they'll they'll build meaningful infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's something you know. Maybe we'll touch on it later a little bit from a seller foundation perspective. We've been very focused on how do we help incubate some of those funds? How do we support some of these funds? So we're an LP and a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, refi funds, um, also globally because we really see this as like a global movement, right? Like this is not going to be built in Silicon Valley. It's going to be built mm-hmm. 
in Nairobi, in Buenos Aires, right? Yeah. And so um, actually I just saw the the Flory crew was um, was doing a Latin America tour and um, spending time with portfolio projects out there, right? And awesome. I think that's kind of just, that just, you know, in the past, even a traditional tech, right? There was this big divide, right? And I, I'm from Germany. I'm, you know, grew up near Berlin and like you have sort of the Berlin tech scene and then you have, and I moved to Silicon Valley and I spent the last 10 years there and there's just, it's worlds apart, right? And like very rarely do people cross over in each other's ecosystems, right? And mm. venture is, is a very local thing. And the pandemic has changed that a little bit, but investors like to invest locally, right? They like to spend time with their founders and that's tricky, right? Because that makes it a lot harder um, in communities that where there haven't been big exits, right? Where there isn't like an established infrastructure um, mm. of funds. And I think recognizing that we we really try to encourage, um, you know, both setting up of new funds that have that kind of local focus and have those funds be in in market, um, but also support existing funds. So we've, um, we've done that. There's actually, for folks interested, um, my colleague Emmett from the Seller Foundation wrote up this long post. Um, it's on the, mm. it's on the Seller Docs. It's called, um, I think it's like Hitchhiker's Guide to Funding in the Seller Ecosystem um, or just fund, fundraising actually. Yeah, it's just docsteller.org, um, community cool. and then fundraising. And yeah, you give some examples of some of the funds um, there, but there's, you know, folks like EcoVC and Unicorn Growth that have an Africa focus, for example, right, where we've seen where we've seen a lot of um, growth and and interesting projects, so that's that's the first pillar. Um, and given also the range now from very early to kind of later stage funds, I think there's for great projects, right? There's no shortage of venture funding. So then coming to the other two buckets, and this is I think where um, we probably have to invest um, most uh, over the course mm-hmm. of this year as a community, right? Totally. Um, there's definitely a ton of demand for uh, access to credit, um, but, you know, not enough capital to um, be the other side um, of, of that demand. And so I'm very supportive of initiatives that are looking to, you know, this is easier in some ways um, if you have um, almost like, uh, yeah, people that are, that have, that are connected into the existing kind of traditional, um, you know, kind of, that capital markets, right, and are able to bring that capital into a structure to then deploy it on chain, right? And some of that has has been happening more over the course of last year, but I feel like that's easily, that could easily 10x, 100x, and um, with a lot of the protocols that are being built now and have recently launched or that are launching, um, that that is really, I think, going to unlock a lot of uh, a lot of growth for, for refi. Um, and here... This is probably the area that has been most heavily impacted by by FTX, right? Because yeah. it's kind of like, you know, a lot of, you know, you, you think of some of the bigger asset managers out there and, and Wall Street, right? And I think for many of them, um, not being in this 24-7, right, they've pulled back a little bit after after that. And they're like, ah, we just, we don't know who we can trust and what this thing is, right? So... I feel like we were um, pretty close um, in, in a bunch of conversations towards the end of last year of bringing some of that capital into the ecosystem on chain where people were just, you know, slowing things down. And I think some of that is the general macro environment, 
but certainly FTX did, did a lot of harm, right, in, in setting us back, right? But I'm hopeful because ultimately, you know, uh, there's, I think there's enough capital to get some of these things started and show the traction, right? And this is the beauty again, you know, a lot of the stuff is a lot more transparent, right? So you can, you can take the time, sit down with people, point to the on-chain data and say, hey, look, you know, here's what it looks like when, for example, you don't know, you know, we talked about impact market earlier, they're, um, they're extending credit to some of their users, right? And Super here's cool. what happens, right? And actually redemption rates or like repayment rates in this case are um, a lot higher than what would be average in normally, right? In, in sort of the traditional system. And I think that's just, it's just a matter of educating and over-communicating that and mm -hmm. hoping mm -hmm. that um, some of that capital that was, I think, close to pulling the trigger, right, is, is coming in. Um, the other, the the last area is um, is is more about creating on-chain liquidity in natural assets, in real-world assets broadly, um, whether that's carbon offsets, whether it's part of future markets, or really any any kind of real-world asset, and that um, that I think is is something that you know, has similar challenges to to debt, right? Because you, again, mm -hmm. you have people that um, also with some of the more recent hacks and exploits, right, have become a little bit more, you know, worried that they don't fully understand how all of this works, right? And where to, what can they trust and not? And so I think there, um, it did feel also we were closer to bringing, you know, big capital into this, uh, into our ecosystem. But, um, but I think that's, uh, that's, that's coming. I think, you know, I think a lot of this is basically creating, um, or, you know, every day I feel like that's, you have, um, you know, I can show that things are working, you know, builds that confidence, right? And we just need to kind of, in a way, come back from a low of what was FTX, right? That read a lot of people to like, oh no, look, this is working. Here are the proof points, right? And I think this is also where, um, you know, insurance and other sort of accelerated products have an, have an opportunity, right? Because if you can go to people and say, hey, look, you know, yeah, there may be, there may be something that goes wrong, but look, you can, you can get insurance against it, right? And, and here, totally. here's how it's set up. So I'm hopeful as well, but this is kind of the thing where, um, you know, we talked about like, or you mentioned, you know, or like, you know, we, we looked at sort of this map and like there's carbon, there's everything else. Well, in order for, you know, a big institution or corporate to really start going on chain and, and using this in their, for their ESG solutions, right. You, you want a minimum liquidity. And I think bootstrapping that is going to be a key, um, you know, key work for us, key work for us to do. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of a recap on those those three different chunks from my perspective and some of what I've seen is, you know, we've seen two European refi funds emerge recently that kind of began with a, you know, Web3 with impact, real world assets thesis and ended up landing with a very central that no, we want to invest towards regeneration, publicly verifiable impact this is the heart of what we need to do as a species. And seeing some of their institutional backers really come behind them. And there does seem to be a, a kind of next generation cohort of climate conscious capital coming to the fold. And 
also recognizing the force that the European bloc and some of the capital allocators here, um, you know, with some of the regulations that have been passed around supply chain traceability, making sure things, commodities aren't coming from deforested areas or aren't resulting in deforestation, you know, remo removal of single-use plastic. Like, there are some really strong vectors. I'm obviously based in Europe, so I have more understanding there. And so I think the kind of, Re, as you described, this like regional um, cultivation of capital in this space is is super interesting to observe because you know refi is a new space and these challenges are complex and seeing big actors like a 16Z or USV kind of dip their toes into this space and endorse it through their name and brand and credibility. Um, I think there's there's a lot of opportunity for experienced founders who've done their work now raising capital from LPs and beginning to invest, not from like the sidelines and saying, here's a check, good luck, but really becoming kind of co-creators as venture funders and people who can really help to come come in the trenches and and map out, you know, the early stages and get people off the ground. So this like highly collaborative VC founder dynamic is something I haven't really seen as much outside of the space. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, we were acquired at Peak Democracy by a venture-backed company, OpenGov, and like the dynamic was very different so super bullish on that. And I think, you know, the credit side, I'm very optimistic about what Silta Finance is doing, you know, mm -hmm. bridging into big capital um, allocators like Ave and saying, hey, we're going to do due diligence really, really well on chain for large scale real world infrastructure projects. A lot of those being solar and wind, you know, some of those being bridges and otherwise and seeing there's gaps in these real markets for $50 million and smaller infrastructure financing. And, you know, recognizing that we can we can see, yes, there are a lot of these black swan events, but also there's this anti-fragile system that's emerging of all of these protocols which have endured this, which haven't yeah. been hacked, which haven't been exploited, which have maintained their, you know, stable security, uh, regardless of all the pressures. You know, it's an open surface area. And I think what people aren't expecting is the compound effect of that anti-fragile systemic, you know, ecological succession in the context of investing in real world assets and bringing them on chain. Because my hypothesis here is that there's going to be a very rapid flow of capital once there's a certain level of trust. Obviously, trust is hard to quantify, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build systems of trust here. And, you know, Ave and MakerDAO and Uniswap and, you know, some of these others have, have really like proved this stuff works at scale, tens of billions of dollars. Anybody can hack it. Nobody can. So it must be working. And That's now right. all of a sudden you've got land, you've got forests, you've got, you know, the real inversely correlated assets that this whole market is looking for. And now banks are suddenly getting shaken and you're seeing the market resurge. And so I think 2023 for me really is, you know, the year of, of regenerative finance. If we're going to pull this off, like we've got this year and next to start peaking global emissions and show, hey, everyone, it's not a PDF, but here's a dynamic NFT. So you can verify that these trees haven't been cut down. Here's a sentinel yeah. photo every five days that shows you what's happening and people taking photos and videos on the ground. And I think you know, the likes of Gain Forest, also Collectivo, there's going to be some super cool stuff out, out of the back of this. So um, with that framing in mind, I'm really curious, like what your guys' strategic direction is this year? Where are you allocating capital? Where's your time and attention going? And where are you, yeah, um, suspecting the next big wins are going to come from? Yeah, and I maybe even connected back to those three categories and 
I also tie in some some asks to the listeners here. I know a lot of people Please. are are builders in the space. I think on the on the first one, right? If we if we think about uh, venture capital, right, and just kind of supporting projects. I mean, that's a that's been a top priority, obviously, for Seller Foundation. Um, last year, I went to the Gin Global Impact Investor Forum, and uh, I actually think there's an opportunity there for us to to show up, uh, you know, bigger as as sort of a refi community. And uh, what you said is interesting with sort of some of the more blue chip VC funds now investing in refi. I think that also helps um, bring more of the traditional funds in, right? Because they are co-investors with the blue chip funds uh, that are doing crypto on a lot of other deals, right? And so if you can go to them and say, hey, you know what? Um, you should look at the space because actually USV and Reese and others are already investing in it. And you know these guys well because you're doing other deals uh, with them. You know, you're doing consumer deals. Um, I think that's kind of, uh, but it's, it requires showing up, right? It requires going to, yep. to a conference where most people wear suits and don't really speak, speak the language. Um, I had some interesting interactions, uh, I'll, I'll say, I'll say politely, but you know, after <laughs> like five minutes of, um, you know, getting into it, people generally were like, oh, you know, okay, I, I get it. This is, this is different than from what I thought. And okay. Okay. Tell me more. And I think we we got to create more of those tell me more moments where we go outside our typical kind of conference circuit and, you know, tap into some of these other communities. And um, like, look, I mean, we last year we announced the 2% pledge where we said like, hey, look, if you're a big impact fund here, you know, consider start, you know, consider making a first move into this, right? And even if you don't fully understand it, 2% is nothing. Like you'll learn a lot and you'll actually, um, you know, you'll, you'll see that this is in many ways better because it's more transparent and it gives you a lot of, you know, it gives you much more kind of global impact leverage, right. Than some of the stuff yep. you're investing in today. Um, and the 2% you know, pledge being what, where are they putting the 2% towards? Just remind us. 2% of the capital towards uh, web three, uh, projects. Impact. And that, that can be in terms of venture, but it could also be in the form of providing debt or, um, providing liquidity. I mean, uh, basically cool. these three buckets. Cool. cool. <laughs> and so we have, um, we have an impact collective at the Silla foundation. Angelo leads that and he's spending basically most of his day on, on the phone or in calls with with those funds and, and we're just holding their head in terms of just understanding what the space looks like, how it works. And, um, you know, uh, I spend time in smaller groups, right? Educating people on like, what's the space? What are some of the use cases? And, you know, certainly again, you know, FTX happened. So, <laughs> you know, that has made things a lot harder. But I think when you just show people examples, um, you know, of uh, what projects are doing on the ground, um, they, they think that's exciting. That's not something they're seeing anywhere else. So that's, that's a big focus area. Um, I think on, on credits, um, for anyone working on, on credit solutions, uh, Tomer from Flory started this group credit collective, um, you know, similar sort of idea to climate collective in terms of just, you know, at first just bringing like all the people kind of working on, on these things together and figuring out, Hey, what are some of the the, the things needed to be uh, together um, uh, successful, right? As, as sort of um, as a subset of sort of the broader community. And and that's been pretty interesting because I think that also provides an opportunity to say for, for someone who wants to put money but doesn't know, hey, what protocol or, 
you know, what pool or, you know, how do I go about this, right? Like now provides an interface to say, hey, you know what? I have a million bucks. Like I'm a big institution. Just like show me what you can do with this, right? And then you could imagine that going to 10 different credit protocols and, and jumpstarting kind of adoption, right? And so these are the kind of ideas that I think are really interesting in mm. helping fuel the next phase of growth, right? Where it's not you and me putting, you know, a couple hundred bucks into Ethic Hub totally. and saying, great, yeah. but no, it's actually like, it's, 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 it's real institutional capital that's coming in. And for anyone who hasn't done Ethic Hub, also highly recommend recommend that, right? I mean, that's I, I was just checking if the twelve months rate is nine percent, and hey, you're doing good. You're supporting you're supporting uh, coffee farmers, right? So, like, what's you know how how can you not do it? So, um, so pretty pretty interesting. Now, I think the the real world asset liquidity that's that's a that's a little trickier, right? Because you know, I think that's probably the kind of newest segment that's like it's a quickly evolving right and i think there's also uh depending on what jurisdiction you're in there's this big regulatory questions right but i feel like again like you know as with everything else we'll we'll see some experimentation right so i think just this is much more of like the hey if you're just kind of curious um just spend time you know engaging with those projects and you know seeing like like, yeah, doing doing small things, but kind of helping them to find product market fit quicker. Um, and so, yeah, big focus still for Seller Foundation is to do projects, right, where um, we help um, bootstrap um, sort of new use cases, but also connect uh, smaller projects with some of the bigger corporates and the Alliance for Prosperity. Um, that's always fun, right? You have sort of um, these big organizations who really want to do something, but they don't know where to start. And then you have like a small project that actually really, you know, could leverage the distribution um, mm. and and connecting the two around interesting projects. I think that's kind of really something that we love that we love doing. Um, in general, you know, this is uh, what's what's kind of more maybe the longer term view is the more successful the ecosystem is, the less the seller foundation is needed. And so we're also, as we're doing what we're doing now, we're also trying to figure out, okay, how do we shift more and more of like the funding, the grants, right, on on chain into sort of DAOs, right, to mm. um, take ourselves out of the picture and, and give, you know, power directly to, uh, to kind of operators, to communities. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's also kind of a fun, uh, project, right. And, um, to me, the, the ultimate goal here is resilience for the overall ecosystem, right? We don't want to be in a position where there's a single organization or even just a few organizations so central, so critical to, uh, to this thing, right. That they can get in the way of its success. Right. And so that's something that I think we've, um, We've valued uh, so while being pragmatic on a lot of things. We we've still valued that mm. um, over some other uh, choices you could we could have made. But um, I think it's starting to really pay off because you have a really rich ecosystem and people raising their hand, right? Different voices. Um, I know you had Marcus on the show too from from Mento, right? And um, I mean, seeing him really as someone who was early on the core team and so instrumental with the core protocol, um, now leading leading Mento and and really. Um, really accelerating kind of the roadmap around, um, uh, yeah, stable coins uh, that I think would have been hard to do 
out of the core team, right, um, is, is super exciting. And so I, I think, I think there's, um, there's lots, um, there's lots kind of to, to think about, um, on that in terms of kind of long-term governance, right. Of the community mm -hmm. of the different areas. Um, but we're also, you know, we're trying to work as much in the open as possible. So for anyone who hasn't seen that on the forum, like all the teams are, you know, each season, so each quarter, right. Are publishing kind of what they're working on priorities and yes. very open to feedback. Right. And that's, I think that's like, that takes also that takes, you know, that takes additional work, right. To, to do that because you kind of, you want to be, um, not because you maybe have to, or you, you should, but you, you do feel you have to be more polished, right. Than if you're just presenting it internally. And that also, I think leads to setting the bar higher, right. In terms of what, what teams want to achieve. Um, but it's, it's been great because we've been able to get a lot of input and feedback from the broader community. And so I, it, it does feel like we're not just working in this organ one organization, but we're working as sort of a partner to the ecosystem. Yeah. And I love that regional focus as well. Seeing the Celo India DAO proposals, the Celo Latam DAO, now having early conversations with like Celo Europe DAO. I love this idea of empowering yeah. local communities, local founders, local builders to help to steward some of this capital and make sure it's going to the right place. And, you know, the new brand also identity has been super fun to see rolled out and just like this yeah, continuous evolution of discovering how to be an infrastructure provider, but also a, a primary catalyst for innovation and, you know, having these stable assets, which have maintained stability amidst other people faltering is super impressive, knowing that this is also driving demand for natural capital and early stage regenerative projects like Colectivo and, you know, and others is, is really emboldening. Um, People can obviously learn more about you guys at cello.org and follow you on Twitter at regenrene. Uh, is there any like last call to action that you'd want to give to anybody listening who wants to get involved? Yeah, I mean, two things. If you're already in the community or you're considering joining the community, like really don't be shy. We're all super friendly and <laughs> you know, For easy sure. to approach. Also, For if sure. there's stuff that you know you're building, you're like, oh man, I wish this existed on Cello, you know, like that's kind of really something that we want to help unblock and. Yeah, a lot of the, I mean, there was just a proposal yesterday going up on the forum by the DT, Deutsche Telekom folks, um, but bringing Chainlink to to Celo, uh, which I know a lot of people have been waiting for Chainlink and obviously that yes. will unblock Aave. And so I think there's there's uh, there's always stuff that people are like, oh man, I wish this existed, right? And so mm. uh, don't be shy, you know, send us a note, put it in the forum. Like this is the kind of stuff that we really want to know because if you're, if you need it, there's probably others who need it, right? And so that that's what we're here for. The other thing, uh, we didn't touch on this in our chat, is, is Celo 2.0. So the roadmap going forward, a lot of, um, uh, you know, sort of the TLDRs lining um, as closely as possible with Ethereum, um, which, you know, as a fork of Ethereum, of course, that, you know, that's sort of our, that's that's a lot of kind of DNA, but um, I think even going forward, there's 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 even more we we can do and want to do. Super cool. um, and, you know, I think maybe not entirely unexpected, we're a big fan of uh, ZK rollups and we, we do see a world, right, where that is kind of um, really the, the path to, to additional scalability and, and also for builders in the ecosystem brings quite a few options, whether those are kind of, uh, you know, startups and, and new projects or uh, bigger institutions thinking about even 
permissioned private chains, which, you know, mm -hmm. ultimately there's, there's some use cases where that may be a fit, but still probably you would want a connection to, yeah. um, to a public ledger. And yeah. so we're, we're kind of like trying to just figure out what is it that folks need and, and want, and then, you know, with the core team or others, other contributors in the ecosystem try to move as quickly as possible on, on these things, right. To unblock, uh, unblock people. And a lot of the projects, um, I think are doing a phenomenal job just solving hard problems right in the real world. And so that's, that's mm. already hard enough. So if we can unblock some of the infrastructure challenges or, or do things that help, um, accelerate growth, that's, that's kind of really where we want to spend our, our time. Man, I love it. It's been such a pleasure. The Cello 2.0 conversation deserves an episode on its own. It'd be super fun to get Merrick and yourself and anyone else from the team on here. I had the pleasure of getting an inside scoop in Denver um, during nice. the Carbon Path event. So I, I maybe have uh, glossed over some of my own knowledge and forgot what people listening may have known. But um, it's been a real pleasure, Renee, as always, connecting with you. And just wanted to affirm you know, your leadership as a founder, You know, stewarding pretty significant amounts of capital and doing it with humility and with grace and it really does sound like you are really in service of something greater than yourself so thanks for being a shining light um, as a regenerative leader in the space um, learning a lot by working alongside you guys and really excited about um, refi dao and cello and the whole community coming together more in the months and years ahead and uh, yeah let's let's see what we can do together so thanks a bunch and hope we'll have another conversation before long that's great. Thanks, John, for having me.